All right. Yet another week with no intro music. You're thinking, I, I thought I was getting a professional podcast. Of course, you did not think that because, well, you saw my name on it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show slash podcast coming to you live from Indianapolis, Indiana, the home of passive aggressiveness. Joining me, filling in for Damian Dunn this week is the host of Stacking Benjamins, the author of the brand new book, Stacked, Your Serious, Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management, my friend, Joe Salci. Hi, Joe. Hello. Welcome to the program. I have kicked Dane to the curb. I'm taking over. Just, I'm going to start here in one panel. I'm going to slowly move, move you out of the panel and it'll just be yeah. the first episode of Joe Salci. Hi, I'm Pete the Planner. Yeah, exactly. Well, Joey, it's good to be with you. I've been on your show uh, several times. You have been on this show before, haven't you? I have been. Yeah. A long time ago, though. Yes. It was super fun. You didn't invite me back for a long time. And I'll yeah. try not to take it personally. See, I can passive aggressive with the best of them. Yeah, well, that's true. You're a Midwesterner <laughs> at heart, but now you live, uh, what, Texarkana? Is that where you live? I, I am. I have right now, uh, the Arkansas border is 800 yards that way. Oh, yes. Why? Yes. Um, so you're on, you're co-hosting the whole, the whole episode. Um, you are sort of the OG godfather of money funny, right? And so uh, it is, it's fun to have you on here because I live in the money funny world. world. Uh, neither you nor I have explained ourselves or, or described ourselves as comedians about money, but no. we tend to use hu uh, humor as our, as our tool. Ab absolutely. And, and I think the secret to... Uh, why I think you resonate with me so much when I, when I watch you guys is because of the fact that money is such a serious thing. And we put, we heap so much, uh, guilt, right. Speaking about Midwestern, we heap so much guilt. We heap so much pressure on ourselves to make the right move. I feel like a lot of people, you know, the FOMO about I'm missing out on the right investments. I'm missing out on the right opportunity. There was a there was a study, Pete, that I saw recently from this group, uh, nonprofit, and uh, or excuse me, nonfiction, uh, and they are nonprofit, by the way. As yeah, well. I was wondering. Yeah, is this story fiction or nonfiction that you're telling? <laughs> it is. The story is not. It, it was it was starting off as fiction, but I'm moving it to nonfiction now. It's Perfect. called nonfiction, and uh, they are an activist group. But they are, had a wonderful report that people can Google called "The Secret Financial Lives of Americans." And it is this incredible report, but it, but it starts off by saying something that you and I know really well, which is 150 million Americans report that they have cried about their money. 150 million, Amer nearly half of people in America say that they've cried about their money. And you'd think that this is people living paycheck to paycheck. And while that is true and the numbers are higher for people wondering, like I was at one time, like, where's my next meal going to come from? How am I going to make it home? Um, I ran out of gas on the side of the road. I had nothing. And that was kind of my low point. But, uh, but it's also nearly half of people that make over $250,000 a year are crying about money. And now what's funny is, is that you also know people ask you all the time, right? They're like, so what's the hot thing? What's the hot stuff that everybody's talking about? Here's what people aren't crying about, Pete. They're not crying about the fact that central bank digital currency may be a thing in our lives next year. They're not crying about the, 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 the mega backdoor Roth IRA and Roth conversions might go away. That's not what they're crying about. So I think to lighten it up, right? 
to lighten it up and make it make this serious thing to gamify it and make it a little more fun makes it easier for us to do the right thing. The Joe coin will be available on, are you going to have a, like an NFT or a, some sort of crypto coin? Soon? Only if I can really pixelate it, you know, if I can get it really pixelated, then yeah, absolutely. I'm a Howard Stern listener, have been for 20 years and uh, if more actually. Uh, Beetlejuice was back on the show this week and he has a cryptocurrency called Beatcoin now that's trading for just about 38 cents per coin. Beatcoin, you can find it at, uh, who cares? Actually, don't buy it. Um, Joe, let's start the show. Uh, this is, of course, a show about a show and you are co-hosting said show today. So the first segment, my friend, is nine minutes and 22 seconds. So just start counting when you start going in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete, all one word. Why? It's, it's an email address. And we will answer your questions. Joining me, well, for the first time in a long time, to be honest with you, filling in for Damian Dunn is Joe Saul C. Hi, host of Stacking Benjamins and the author of the brand new book, Stack, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management, coming to you via Penguin Random House in a couple of weeks or so. Uh, uh, Joe, hello. Pete, thanks a ton for having me back. I thought maybe I wore out my welcome the first time here, but luckily I got the call. I got the call from the bullpen and I'm here ready to try to be my best Dame impression. I'm not very good at it, but I'll do my best. No, you just need car posters uh, on your wall. And that's always good to make a visual reference on the radio. So, Joe, your new book, uh, I was shocked to learn. Now, you and I have known each other for several years. I was actually shocked to learn about 10 minutes ago, this is your first book. And I don't say that with a degree of shame. I just assumed you've written like 30 books. Tell well, thank Alex. you. So why did you why did you choose to write Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management, along with your co-author, Emily Guy Birkin? Why did you do this? Yeah, I had I had written a book. It took about 10 years. I stopped, started, stopped, started, stopped, started. I handed it to my alpha reader. I think uh, uh, Mrs. Planner is your alpha reader. Yes. I hand it to mine, my lovely spouse, Cheryl, and she brings it back. I, I think it was about eight minutes later eight minutes and said, this really sucks. Like oh. it was, it was horrible. It was way too serious. It was not like me. I thought, you know, I'd written it over such a long period of time, but I knew, I knew cause people like you and I, we talked to so many different people and you see the landscape and there just wasn't enough of this, of this funny, um, uh, introductory, but also you can get in the weeds at the same time, uh, uh out there. And I'm in Portland, Oregon. Uh, at this wonderful bookstore called Powell's. Have you been to Powell's? I've walked by it. Oh, it's, you know, and it's a block long and it is this weird bookstore where you can get lost. I find myself, as you can believe, Pete, knowing me for a long time in the kids section. Yeah. And I see the Hardy Boys Detective Manual. And when I was in fourth grade, I carried this thing around everywhere. I dog-eared it. My brother and I, we, my dad worked at General Motors on a, on a, on a wet day. He would pull out and we'd look at the tire tracks to check that out so we could tail. I don't know what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, my mom would touch a doorknob. We'd go over there with tape and we'd put the tape because, you know, we got to get the fingerprints because you don't know where mom's been. And I thought... While it's campy, it was written with a real, they tell you this right up front, written with a real FBI agent. Like this was legit FBI stuff they were teaching you. And I thought, man, if there was a book for adults about money that I carried around like, 
that the people could carry around like I carried around this book, this would be perfect. It would go along with kind of what we do at the circus that's stacking Benjamin. So I fly home. My mom has a key to our house. I'm 50 years old, Pete. And she's finally let me have all my crap from the, from, from the attic, like the sixth place, uh, father, son invitational bowling tournament that we, you know, we did okay. And finally gave me that, but she gave me the Cub Scout wolf guide. And something that was neat about the Cub Scouts that I read leafing through this is it way before all these cool apps now gamify things for us. And I think gamification is a huge piece of success for a lot of people when it comes to money now that makes it so much easier. But back then they had tools you're going to need succinctly told you how to do the thing you checked off little boxes to show proficiency. And then there was a place at the bottom for your mom to sign it, that you did it. And then you got a badge, right? That you did it. Huge, great gamification. So that was, I said, we got to do this. And so I asked my good friend, Emily, who's written several great uh, financial books. If she'd do it, she's hilarious. And we wrote what we think is pretty funny, but it's, but it's exactly that. It starts with how to stack your first Benjamin, building a stack of Benjamins, protecting your Benjamins, and then stacks on your stacks. And that part for people more advanced is like how to hire advisors that won't bleed you dry. What's modern portfolio theory? How's good tax management? But it begins with how do you get out of debt? How do you get a budget? And you earn these increasingly uh, difficult badges. Joining me as guest co-host this week is Joe Salcihi, author of the brand new book, Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management. Joe and I have been friends for a long time. His new book comes out December 28th, wherever you buy books. Uh, I, I noticed yours is through Penguin Random House, and it just makes me, I listen to audiobooks because I'm lazy. And it, it made me think of how the beginning of your audiobook might sound. And if, if you'd indulge me, I'd like to um, per, perform that for you right now. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, with the dramatic performance of Stacked, Pete the Planner. This is Audible. Penguin Random House Publishers produce, or, oh, I blew it, presents Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management by Joe Saul Cihai and Emily Guy Birkin, read by Pete the Planner. How's that? Oh, that's good. I blew where it where were you like a month ago when we did this? Um, did you do the audio? I did. And you know what's really cool? Uh, uh, the woman who plays my mom on the show, we do these snippets that say things like, you know, you can't go play with your friend Dave until you eat your peas, right? Sure. <laughs> so yeah. For people that may know who Dave is. But we, uh, uh, she does those things. Penguin reached out and said, hey, is your mom going to be in the book? Because we have all these pieces of our mom in the book. Is she going to read those pieces? And I went, my oh, and it was great because I got to ask my friend Julie Ray Harrison, who plays my mom on the on the on the show, hey, will you go in the studio and read these things? So we actually have mom, quote, mom in quotes. My real mom, by the way, sounds way too young. <laughs> she had me when she was 18. And I had this is horrible, Pete. I had to fire her a long time ago because she just she didn't sound like my mom. Does every person in your life have three names? Julie Ray Harrison, Emily Guy Burke, and Joseph yes. C. Hi. Like what what Pete the Planner? Like? Pete yeah, the right. If it were exactly. just Peter Dunn, if you had stuck with Peter Dunn, I would, I'd be out of here. Uh, well, the former CEO of Steak and Shake was Peter Dunn. Uh, I don't know if you know that. That's a little fun fact for you to take home to the family this holiday season. I learned something every time I'm around you, Pete. Uh, Joe, uh, you, of course, are going to be with us this entire show. And, and this topic will come up over and over and over again, I'm sure. Do you discuss cryptocurrency in Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management? 
we discuss alternative investments and we mentioned cryptocurrency, but it is not something that should be the foundation of your, of your, of uh, uh, financial picture. And don't get me wrong. You know, we had a guy on our show recently, Kevin Rose, who really dives yeah. deep into the stuff of modern finance. And he changed my mind about crypto. He said, listen, if you're, if your grandma and you really wanted to be stable, you should wait. Wait, let's see what happens. I mentioned central bank digital currency. Uh, uh, we should wait and see what's going on. But but it but money is made in these speculative times. This is when money is made. And by the way, this is also when fortunes are lost by fools that uh, invest everything they have. So I think taking part of your speculative money and instead of going down to the casino, purchasing a few uh, pixelated ET, uh, uh, NFTs and and maybe uh, investing some money in the newest coin. I, you know, no, don't let me stop you. Yeah, I, I, where I get lost is this idea that there's this metaverse in which you spend real money on fake properties. Like, like the, there was this idea of like Snoop Dogg owns this uh, metaverse home, and like people were bidding like hundreds of thousands of real monies. <laughs> to have their home next to, to Snoop Dogg. And I was like, what, what's wrong with you? That makes no sense. It's awesome for the creator. I mean, for the, Hey, I make this fake land. I sell fake property. And, you know, I follow, I follow TikTok and I love some of these TikTok creators, by the way, there's a great Twitter feed people should follow called TikTok investors, which is absolutely hilarious showing just some of the Boeing crazy things people do on TikTok. But there was a woman saying what you say, this, this, this young woman, I think said it fairly succinctly. She's like, y y you know, I think this is what an NFT is. It's where you say that you own something and it's proof that what you said that you own stuff is 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 real more of this insight to dumb investing <laughs> that's the name of your book should be joe sells high author uh radio host uh joining this week on the pizza planner show coming up after the break should we care where congress people invest i do i'm pete the planner this is the show we hit the we hit the post i mean i can't Bam. believe it yeah i i have come to the conclusion i've said on the show uh with crypto here's where i'm currently at I made at the time aggressive decisions with money via day trading when I was in my early 20s and because that was the version of crypto then. Uh, and so if the modern version of taking speculative risks with your money is crypto, then I probably need to pump the brakes on being old man grumpy about it. It's just not for me. <laughs> I like we talked to uh, uh, Clark Howard recently. And Clark is like, I love the technology. The technology is awesome. The blockchain. I mean, I think, I, I think the, the NFTs are a great way to prove ownership of things that historically people would fight over ownership. Um, and it could speed up the process so much in some of these long transactions and take a ton of middlemen out of it. Like that piece is great. I want to sell an NFT for claiming the three legged stool approach to retirement planning, you know, that everyone's used for the last 80 years, but I'm just going to, I'm going to sell the NFT and say, gonna, you know what? It's mine. You're going to claim it. Yeah, I would. That's what it is. It's a whole um, new world. All right. So do you, uh, do you have hot takes about Congress people and, and their investing uh, habits? I, I, it feels to me like there is a lot of uh, front running going on. Um, 
and I, and I really, you know, um, I don't, I don't follow it actively because we try to, but we try to talk about stuff that is, uh, stuff we can control and I can't yeah, control right. that, you know, but still I, I, um, you know, I wonder how these people get so wealthy on a job that doesn't, you know, I mean, it pays well, but doesn't pay that kind of money. I see. And, and I guess we'll save it for the air boys, save it for the air. <laughs> uh, but I, I think we can rally around on either sides of the aisle disliking these people like that's where i'm at like this brings us together this isn't cynicism this is this is like, unity yeah this is like re the, the beatles documentary you're like we're making music to make a difference have you seen that by the way no no i've heard two different things that okay. for creators it's fantastic yes that's for why the you average watch it. for the average person it is a sludge like it is slow my wife is not a creator she enjoyed it she I did. am a creator and I loved it. So yeah. um, I, I love the aspect. They're, they're just 26 year old dudes that obviously had a lot of influence at the time, but in that moment, they're guys just struggling to come up with something. And how often have you or I sat down to come up with a, a topic for an article or a podcast or whatever. And, and, and by no means am I comparing ourselves to the Beatles, but what I am saying oh, is no, keep you, going, keep yeah, going. You're Ringo. Um, <laughs> we've all been there where you're just like, you're so vulnerable and just naked in the moment of like, yeah, we got to come up with something here or we're screwed. And like, that's what I liked about the, the show. Well, and the hard part too, is that at that point in their career, I mean, they, they got to come up with something good. Yeah. It's like your I, second book. Yes. Yes. Can I give you uh, uh, some uh, advice from a, a longtime author to a first time author? Can I give you a little bit of advice here? What's that? Do not describe the process of writing a book as like having a baby. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to share this with you that you will alienate over half of your audience immediately upon saying that phrase. <laughs> that, that is a money tip. Yeah. That is a, that is a muddy, muddy tip. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Like, uh, what's that uh, Brian Regan joke? So when's the baby do? Yeah. Yeah. What baby? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, all right. So, oh, Levi, a uh, friend of the show. Uh, you sell, uh, well, let's just put his comments up on the screen. By the way, Joe, you, you, I was on your show, Money with Friends, and you were showing me how you record and using different streaming technology. And I was like, what do you use? And you use something. You're like, I should check out this, this, or this. And so I did. And that's why we stream the show live is because of that conversation. So thank you. For that oh, conversation. cool. Yeah. And I love the, this ability to put the people's comments on this, on the screen. What a great I, I love shot, anytime. Way. Yeah, I know. Every time I show Levi stuff, I think about it. It looks like what a three generation photo with his family, which is lovely. Uh, you uh, sell some stock based on something you heard at the water cooler insider trading congressperson sells some stock based on closed door information, free market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's why it's like, this isn't even political from a what side of the aisle you're on. We can rally against these people in the next segment, starting in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, special guest co-host this week, author of the brand new book, Stacked, available December 20th, wherever books are sold. Joe Saul Sihai, host of the award-winning podcast, Stacking Benjamins. Uh, Joe, I, this here radio show slash podcast has never, ever won an award what's up with that i you know i, I don't want to suggest that you try to win awards because i don't want that that's the where the conversation <laughs> goes but i also don't actually 
like I, I don't, I don't, I know so you have to apply for some of these things or people to nominate you and people ask to be nominated. I don't know if that's a thing that you do, but I certainly don't. I just, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, wow. uh, uh, there was one recently that was like the Webby's or something. And I think it was, I don't remember the amount of money. It was like a thousand dollars to apply. I'm like, no. what is a, what is a, Hey mom, I want a Webby. And by the way, it was a thousand bucks too. Well, when she steals it, you'd have her fingerprints on file. I do. Uh, I got her. My dad steals it. I got the tire tracks. I'm good. Yeah. All right. So Joe, here's the thing. Um, I love to point out in a very haughty way that I'm an independent when it comes to voting affiliation. I, I have voted Democrat, Republican, literally in every uh, election in modern times here. I voted for both parties on, uh, on a similar election. And I, I take pride in that, which means I'm really excited to talk today about all of the insider trading that Congress does on a regular basis because of the information they're privy to in their hearings. And they can make trades based on that that no one else knows and make a lot of money in the process. This is also why I love uh, former senator from the state of Indiana, Richard Luger, who in the 1970s went to Congress. And just so you know, did not own a single share of stock by choice or, or any individual holdings out of ethical concerns that if he did, it could influence him. And I wish more people were like that. But today, Joe, I bring to you people in Congress who are rated by Business Insider as to be dangerous as it relates to the holdings they have from a financial perspective. So we are naming names today. And I'll be frank. Uh, and you can be Alice. Now, I'll be frank, Joe. I, 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 I don't even know anything about these people other than they are deemed to be at risk of making insider trading decisions. Are you ready to, to hit this list? Oh, boy. There's 13. Uh, and, and they're on either side of the aisle. Okay. The weird thing is um, some of these names you know, and I'm more scared about the names you don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. So in no particular order, here are the 13 Congress people. And, and, and just just, just, a, just another side note. Always fun to interrupt yourself on your own show. Another side note here. I, I, uh, this is not cynicism. This is about fairness. Because, Joe, if you or I traded on this very same information, we would be Martha Stewarted. Absolutely, would we not? Three square meals in a, in a, in a bed that other people pay for? And a caftan. Isn't that yeah. what she wore? What's that that sweater thing she when she came out of prison? That yeah. It was not it was fashionable. Um this whole show is about people that hang out with Snoop Dogg, whether it's in the metaverse or Martha Stewart and he have become friends. And so, like this entire episode that you're co-hosting, because it's you, is really about Calvin Broadus. So if thank you're you. looking for if you're looking for the subtext. Hey, and also to cut you off before you begin the yeah, list, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you this. You know, I like fintech stuff. And, and there is now, and I don't have the name in front of me, but there is but probably because I don't want people investing this way, but there is, there is now a FinTech founder, Pete, who's created a company where you put money into this crowdfunded investment and they mimic the shares of the, the things that the people that you're about to talk about buy. Oh, because they've been so profitable for them. Why not get it? Why not you and I get it on it too? But what a horrible way to invest when you don't know anything about the company. I just know that this congressperson who's getting wealthy front running stuff uh, is investing in it. 
We are starting with Representative Pat Fallon from Texas, down in your parts. Wow. Joe, uh, a Republican from Texas in the danger zone. Mr. Fallon, I don't know. Like, shame on your home. No, I don't, we don't need to do anything just, like that. I got to tell uh, you, I just yeah. got a, I just got a, uh, uh, a text from Pat Fallon's office yesterday. And I love the text these Congress people have. And you can always tell what side of the aisle they're on by the text. Do you think that President Biden's mask mandate is complete and utterly disgusting? <laughs> like, like no stank at all. You know, there's no middle ground. Leading the witness. Do you uh, feel like there's too many criminals in America and that the Democrats are letting it go? Not a lot of nuance these days. No, huh? uh, the shame, uh, the hall of shame continues with Senator Diane Feinstein. Is it Feinstein? Yes. Am I saying that correctly? I think so. Uh, yeah. So Feinstein. she's a Democrat from California. She's one that's been on a lot of people's radar in this sense for quite some time, though, if, if I'm if I'm recollecting that yeah. correctly. You I remember hearing that 15 years ago, Pete. <laughs> uh, Texas again. Representative Lance Gooden. Republican okay. from Texas. Do you have a familiarity with this gentleman? None at all. But so far, two to one to zero for everybody else. Us. I, if I'm you, I would spend some time in Texas this weekend, Joe, digging through the trash of some of these people's homes so you can get some better stock deals. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next up from Tennessee, Republican Diana Harshbarger. If you're just joining us here on the Pete the Planner Show today, I'm naming the 13 Congress people who are deemed to be high risk from an insider's trading standpoint. Uh, according to businessinsider.com, I don't know who Diana Harshbarger is, which again, I get more scared about this when I don't know who these people are because it's like, well, how did they get there? They're, they have no name recognition. Representative Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma, a Republican. Uh, that's sort of a down in your parts. Do you know who Kevin Hearn is? Joe? I do. I do not, unfortunately, or fortunately. I'm not sure which side of that I'm supposed to be on, but. It's time to get to the money capital of the world, New York. Representative, the Republican, Chris Jacobs in the Hall of Shame as it relates to insider trading and uh, risks with their financial disclosures. I feel like uh, we need a Democrat. Thank God for Susie Lee from Nevada, the Democrat. Susie well, had, Lee. Yeah, you had Diane Feinstein as well. So, so re Republican men and Democratic women are currently in the Hall of Shame at this point in time. Another Democrat, Representative Tom Malinowski from New Jersey, uh, also in the Congress Hall of Shame. Pete, do they shine a light at all on what they're buying? They are, but given the time constraints of this show, I am People going look a 30,000 foot view. But you can't, this Business yeah. Insider piece is incredible. So just Google Business Insider Conflicted Congress, and it's like an infographic, it's interactive. Representative Sean Patrick, Democrat from New York. New York's catching up on Texas. Have you noticed this, Joe? I'm, I'm getting worried. I want to maintain our lead. All right. We've got uh, Representative Sean. Oh, it was Sean Patrick Maloney. It's not Sean. It's a three-named person. So I, I assume you know this person well. <laughs> he, he and I do all kinds of stuff. And with our, 20, with our 20 seconds left, I blaze through Pennsylvania Republican Dan Muser. I blaze through the following names, which is good to run out of time. Tommy Tuberville, of course. You can't miss him. No. Blake Moore and Tom Swozy. Congratulations, Kudos. List. And by 20 seconds, I meant a minute and 20 seconds because this is the first time I've done a radio show. <laughs> 
All right. So my point, because I'm just reading people's names and trying to shame them on a show in which we talk about how we never shame people. My point is this. It is really hard to make money. It is really hard to invest and have big bonanzas with those investment decisions. Joe, you've been in this financial world for a very long time. You know this. If you have non-public information, it's not fair to trade on that. It is absolutely not fair to trade on it. And I remember working with Beck, and I haven't been a financial planner in a long time, but when I was a financial planner, working with people that were presidents, vice presidents, CEOs of companies, and and, and, and they take it seriously. And, and to, to feel like, and I felt this for a long time, that there's kind of a, a there's a double standard between what we hold our uh, uh, elected officials, uh, uh, the standard we hold them to, it seems like it should be the same standard that we're holding CEOs of companies to, people that have that information. Let's unify it. Let's get unified, Pete. We will. And coming up after the break, we're going to talk more about our own financial lives, not the financial lives of Congress. That's all on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Look, if we only miss one post today, that's great. I mean, it's it's one out of four. It's not bad. Did we miss it? Yeah, it's all right. Um, You know... It really does. Insider trading at Congress really upsets me. And I, I, I don't care that much about anything, but it upsets me because it, it is so impure. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the Midwest, but it just bothers the hell out of me. I don't know. I mean, people eat people here uh, uh, in our little small town of Texarkana talk about fairness and being nice to other people and bringing, you know, your community with you. And so I think that we like to take the area that we live and say, Hey, this is my kind neighborhood that does that. But I, uh, I, you know, I think just to go back to, to, to Ayn Rand, I feel like when you, when you have human beings, there is a, there's a carnal instinct (laughs) to get ahead. And for some people they can't, they can't, Oh, you back? Oh, Joe's signal is frozen up. This is this is fun, Joe. Uh, for whatever reason, your screen froze. So, podcast listeners, thank God we're not on the radio right now. Joe is making a point that I'm probably one of the best looking podcast hosts in the nation, uh, and he's making that assumption based on the fact that we look exactly alike, which is sort of interesting. Are you back, Joe? Apparently, I am. Yeah, okay. I had to take a little break there, Pete. Yeah, just my. <laughs> My internet here in the hinterlands decided it needed a rest. We've been on for a while. I loved that you start talking about uh, Congress and your signal goes out. You tell me they're not watching. You tell me they're not watching. <laughs> um, I will note this, and I don't know why I'm... Well, actually, we're not on the radio, so I'm okay talking about this. A lot of our radio, our radio show broadcasts on a lot of conservative talk radio. So um, it's not that I don't express particular views while we're on the radio, but sometimes I just, there's no need to poke the bear. But I did want to cover this. Do you have thoughts on the Elizabeth Warren, Elon Musk Twitter meltdown this week? You know, I, I saw it from 5,000 feet. I had some family stuff going on. And I saw the, the I saw, um, I saw one tweet by Musk. I didn't see the original Elizabeth Warren stuff. I've only seen his side. I haven't seen her side. So I've seen, I, I saw him earlier with, uh, with uh, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I just, I like, I, I'm sure, Joe, you and I disagree on something. I, I'm sure we do. 
But I feel like if you and I disagreed with each other on it, we probably wouldn't try to burn down each other's house uh, in the process, right? And I, I, I hate the idea that you have to hate the people you disagree with. And, and, and like, that's my take on the Elon Musk, Elizabeth Warren thing. Uh, Elon Musk is like wearing out his welcome in, in my mind to his, the contributions he's making at large. Do you have a particular stance on, on him uh, and, and how he runs a company as a CEO and consistently manipulates the markets with his tweets? Well, well, I mean, he's been censured, right? I mean, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's how bad it is for him. Uh, he's a brilliant marketer. He's a great futurist. I mean, he, he says outlandish things that other people don't say. So he inspires the people that he works with to get things done that other people won't do. That's so, fair. So I love that. I love that. What I, what, what I you know, what bothers me is some of the circus act at the top. What bothers me most is that I feel like, you know, your organization, my organization are built on trust with the people that are around us and reading his book and seeing people like, you know, the woman who is his right hand person. I don't know how much you know about Elon Musk's mm. background, but the woman who is his right hand person knew him better than anybody, knew everything about him, took care of him. He just decided one day, let's see if I can do this without you and let her go. Um, and, and, I, and, and, and it was incredibly, it, in the piece that I read, and you always got to be, you always have to watch out for what you're reading. Yeah. But in the piece I read that seemed pretty fair, pretty balanced, um, it just seemed very callous, incredibly. Well, you know what? I realized I don't need her anymore. So I decided that, hey, I'm just going to let her go. Imagine if you would, if I had a career working with you for 25 years, I think everything's going great. I come in one day with my lunch and you're like, Joe. I just, I'm just going to try a while seeing if I can do this without you. And then I think I'm going to let you go. seems like there's some warning system. There's some, you know, like I, I can see it coming, but this seemed like a broadside. So I don't know the relationship piece that you're pointing to burning, burning things down is what, is what bothers me. But the showmanship and the, isn't the, isn't the internet just becoming a nasty place? Oh yeah. Yeah, I and I have to say I, I have not been super active on social media in the last eighteen months because it's just been way too anxiety inducing for me. I, I can't, and I'm not even embarrassed to say like I can't mentally hand uh, handle doom scrolling through Twitter. No, oh. uh, I just can't. As, as long and hard as my days are, like to to pour that on top as the toxicity. I just can't do it. And so that's why I've just not been as fun on those platforms. But then, Joe, the other side of that is, uh, I mean, yeah, I realize we're public figures and, and we're content creators. I, I stopped realizing, like, or started realizing that, like, I don't owe sharing aspects of my daily existence with a platform. Like, I, like I don't owe the world. And by the way, the world doesn't care. The world, you know, no. it's you, you just convince yourself that your tweets matter, but they don't. And so that's that was for me an eye opening experience. Well, I think there's another side of that, though, which is I took an MIT class on social media this spring because I just couldn't. I've been doing it for a long time, but I didn't feel like, you know, for people who have been doing finance for as long as you and I, you feel like somebody brings you a question and you have a solid hull of the ship that you're working from. When it comes to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm just throwing crap out there. I'm not doing any of it. Yeah, we, really, we really don't care. I love that. Uh, How uh, did so you I, get involved with that Mississippi Institute of Technology course? I just yes. How, yes. How, how are you able to do that? Thank you through, for seeing through my flex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
He got uh, me there. I actually, uh, uh, it was referred to me by a friend. I, I have a coach who taught me always ask who, not how. Don't ask how. If you ask how to do something, you're going to get in the weeds and you're not going to achieve your mission. But do you, if you ask either who can do it, which is the right question, or if you really have to do it yourself, who is the teacher that you will respect and get the most from? I said, but for me with social media, it's gotta be MIT. Cause you and I get people that people that aren't creators don't know this, but, but Pete gets probably, I'm going to say seven or eight times a week, some social media shyster telling him, uh, Hey, I know the secret to increase your viewership to, to, to increase your reach to, and it's all this snake oil stuff. And I, and I thought, okay, I'm sure there is a way, but I need, I need the right who. And for yeah. me, an academic institution like Mississippi <laughs> Institute of Technology was, was the place to go. But you know what they taught me though, Pete, you can't not play. This is the sad yeah, thing. I know you can't not play. It's the only way that you're going to find your community. People like you, you know, you and I are going to repel people who aren't like us. We're going to, we're going to, to bring into the fold people that, that like us. And by, by the way, I mean, like us, I don't mean people, that look like me. I mean, people that, that are of a similar outlook on life, you know? Um, and so you got to play and you got to play the algorithm games, which is why I now have a TikTok channel and learn how to dance. Yeah. Nothing like doing air traffic controller signals on the internet to teach people money advice on TikTok. Good you know what I'm going to do? We are actually in the next couple of weeks, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm making my first TikTok video where I do the stupid pointing thing. Cause I do truly think it's stupid. I'm going to point here and the words are going to come up over here <laughs> and I'm going to look all confused and I'm going to point down here and the words are going to come up there and I'm just going to get lost in it. I've decided I've just, I'm just, I think I've crossed the Rubicon into old guy because <laughs> I get so mad when I see financial TikToks. Like I just get, so, and it's like, well, why do you care? And it's like, because on some level, it's just really dumb. And I was like, I, I get, well, people see value in it. It's like, I don't know. This old guy thinks it's done. But anyway, let's get back to the show. Yeah. So coming up, we're going to do um, your favorite financial metrics in your own life to sort of get a snapshot of what's going on. So I, I, we've got some proprietary ones we'll talk through, the yeah. classics. And so uh, uh, this segment is nine minutes and 40 seconds if you're keeping score on your abacus, okay? In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, a special guest co-host this week, the author of Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management, Joe Saul C. Hi, also the creator and co-host of Stacking Benjamins. Why do you list yourself as a co-host? Who's the other host? Oh, <laughs> OG. Oh, gee, yeah. Oh, well, because oh, yeah. I'm always OG. on the panel. Yes. And so I'm never on the, that's right. Like there's more of the show than the panel. Yes. When you're on the, so we have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format for people who've never heard us on Monday and Wednesday. It's OG, the CFP in the room. I stopped being a financial planner 12 years ago. Uh, OG and I uh, co-host the show on Friday. OG's often on the panel with people like you and uh, pull a pant from afford anything who I think a lot of people know Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. But um uh, we dive into those and then I just lead that panel and we have so much fun on Friday. So Friday is a fun episode of uh, smart financial people talking Monday, Wednesday is OG and I diving in with a, with a guest, with a great idea. Yeah. Does Paula still have her podcast as well? She does. Yeah. So I want to encourage people that, that want a different perspective 
uh, on the French world to to subscribe to Paula Pants uh, podcast. She's so smart. I, I have to admit, I'm intimidated talking to her when I'm on the panel with her. <laughs> I always get the feeling she's a very nice person. I always get the feeling I, I say something and she's like, Joe, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? She's so good at it because she has that pause. Yeah. She has a little pause. Huh, Pete. Okay. Yeah, it feels judgmental, but I know she's not being. She's not at all. Yeah. Speaking of judgmental, at this time of year, it is good to judge your own finances from an objective perspective. All right. So, Joe, you know this. I'm a nerd, and uh, which is why we get along. December 29th, December 30th, sometimes the 31st, if I'm feeling randy, I will pull up a spreadsheet and I will run Mrs. Planner and I's net worth update for the year. And it is, it's my favorite thing to do. And I really, really enjoy it. I get a lot of value at it. So, and then we do some other things financially at that, on that day. So I just want to go through and see, these are two financial experts. What are the things that you actually do on your own that you super value about your financial life as it relates to getting a snapshot of what's going on? So does that, does that track? You know what yes. I'm talking about here? What, what yeah. is something that you and Cheryl do? Uh, to, to, to make your financial lives better from a snapshot standpoint? Uh, we, we actually take a, a little snapshot every week. We have a weekly budget meeting and we didn't used to have a weekly budget meeting. Um, so this is, does not directly answer your question of this time of year, because I also like the net worth statement this time of year. It's like, how, how much has the kid grown? Right. Yeah. And you put your little line on the wall behind the kid, my financial life, but really the key for us. And the thing that I use is, is that we used to fight about money you know, uh, fairly regularly. And it was tough. We had twins and they were young and managing a household and we would both come home. This is what, this is when it really got bad. We would come home and, uh, I'd walk in the door with something really important to the family. And so would she. So as an example, she would walk in with like kids school clothes for the upcoming school year. And I'd walk in with a hot new video game and both were like equally important to the family. And then we'd have this discussion because we didn't have money to buy both. So we solved that with a very quick weekly meeting. I use Marcus Insights. By the way, I have no affiliation with this company. It used to be Clarity Money to, to, to look through just our transactions the last week. How do we spend money? And then we look at our expenses for the next week. And we always do it, Pete, to make sure it's fun. We set a timer for 20 minutes. And we, and we also uh, do it over pancakes or wine, depending on the time of day. Do you listen to like Tom Jones? I mean, do, are you listening to just like really sultry music? Like, uh, or yeah, the no lights soundtrack? are low, candles, yeah. Yeah. yes, and yeah. spreadsheet. Absolutely. That's <laughs> yes. like the trifecta. Um, do you guys have uh, separate accounts or do you have one joint checking account? We have separate accounts, but we manage them together. Same. But, but because we are both busy professional people. And, and I just need to be able to spend money when I need to spend money. And we found when we tried one account for a while, this didn't work, but having two accounts and being transparent about it. Yeah. Do you walk around knowing your aggregate rate of return for the year on your portfolio? I mean, do you, do, do you Never. end up knowing it? Yeah. Me neither. I was just, thinking, I was asking this question. I'm like, should I lie and say I do? Cause I don't, I have no idea. I do know how much my net worth has gone up, but that includes yeah. a lot of other things that aren't necessarily rate of return. I'll tell you what I do know. I do know what my long-term goals are. And once a quarter I look at, am I ahead or behind? 
And then if I'm behind, I ask the question, why? Is it the market that's behind? And if that case, if that's the case, then do I need to save more money to fill in the gap? Because the market's going to come back. We'll have a reversion of the mean. Is it my investment strategy that's wrong? And then I work on my investment policy statement, if that's the key, because I always want to work on the machine and not react to just this one condition. Um, uh, uh, or is there something else? And so once a quarter, I look at these milestones and say, am I ahead or behind? So I've done all the assumptions about what return I need early on. And then I set up a portfolio based on that. And then I just check the milestones because, you know, for a lot of us, these goals we're chasing are 20 years away. And so I like to stay excited. I got a little bit of ADD. So if I can stay excited about it once a quarter, that makes it much easier. Well, I mean, you, you are remarkably close to that billion dollar goal of yours. Uh, do you think you achieve it in 20 years? Do you think it'll take 21 years till you hit, you know, the three comma club? I think probably two months, three months. If this NFT thing takes off that I'm launching, I think we'll be good. <laughs> someone's, someone's confused right now. And I love that. <laughs> um, do you have an investment advisor or a financial planner? Or do you have someone you run stuff up against? Or given that you did this for a living, do you do it yourself? Oh, I love this. And this is a huge part of, of my book because of the fact that I think we all need advisors and I have one. And the reason I have one is I like being the dumbest person in the room uh, uh, about my goals. So, uh, and the second thing is I'm, I'm in a team. Cheryl has heard my stuff over and over and over. Really? And, and if I say it, okay. But if, but if he says it, it's a whole different thing. Um, but here's the type of advisor I like. I don't like the advisor where I hand it over to my advisor and then I say, Hey, I'll see you in six months. You take care of all the stuff and just call me later. I want an advisor that makes me smarter. And so a great analogy that I like, I'm a, you know, being a Detroit guy, Mary Barra and uh, General Motors, just taking this legacy company and turning it to still be relevant today is this huge feat that I think a lot of people don't understand. Mary, Mary doesn't, doesn't with her advisors, right? The people that run the divisions, she doesn't not know anything about anything, doesn't go to any of the meetings anymore, just, you know, shows up twice a year and you guys tell me how this car thing's going. <laughs> Probably doesn't bad. do that. She still dives into the Pete the Planner show. She knows all the stuff that's going on, but she also surrounds herself with really smart people in every area of her life. So I've, I have a diet coach. Uh, that kicks my butt. And listen, you don't have to pay for coaching like I do, but certainly finding somebody who's really fit and talking to them and holding each other accountable is so, so great. Like having advisors, I think is a fantastic way to get where you're going. This portion of the program brought to you by Chevy Volt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Joe Salci, hi, uh, joins me as guest co-host on the show, author of his first book, which honestly still makes me feel bad that I assumed you've written more, but also so glad you wrote this one, Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Joe wrote it with his friend, Emily Guy Birkin. Did I see she's like a tattoo artist or something? Or she went, <laughs> what did I see about her? She, she back in the, this is a, a fantastic story of Emily's when she was very uh, young, she had a very tight budget. Her grandmother died and she wanted to celebrate by getting a tear on her shoulder. And it turns out she found out later on a, she didn't have the money for the tattoo, but she really wanted to honor grandma. She found out later that in gangland, a tear on your shoulder meant that you were a stone cold killer. Yeah. And uh, so she was a substitute teacher at the time. And she walked in and all the kids immediately thought instead of being a nerd that she, she was she was incredibly scary 
I love that. Very scary. Yeah. So she wasn't a tattoo artist. I saw the word tattoo and just <laughs> called her a tattoo artist. Uh, before we go to the break, I've told this story on the show before. I once was speaking and the person introduced me. This is like in California. It's like a big thing. The person starts saying, uh, co-host of this, uh, author of that, former singer and actor. And I was like, what am the singer? She started making stuff up. It was crazy. Coming up after the break. <laughs> Biggest waste of money of the week in the news right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. And like, I don't know. Have you, people have gotten carried away with intros for you before. They had to. Have. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but I think I've done this to you. I like overdoing the intro to the point that my audience knows it just back from counseling the Pope about their money. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pete Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. Intros are weird. I, especially when we used to be in person places, because if, if the crowd can see you about to go to stage and they're reading this long bio, you don't know where to look. Like you, <laughs> are you looking at the speaker? Or are you just sort of stone, stone faced? Are you nodding? Like, hell yeah, I did that. Like, what do you do? This guy. Yeah, right here, buddy. Yes, and we skipped three quarters of them. Yeah, you know what I've done now that I now that I um, have done lots of intros. I find I generally throw out. I'll look at the bio and I'll talk about the bio a little bit. But I think with our audience, my role is often to just talk about our relationship and and why I respect that person. You know, and and I find that comes off way more authentic i hate the word authentic uh overused but it is far more genuine um when hey here's here's why i like pete here's what he says here's what pete does ladies and gentlemen pete i i, I do actually like your about the author for your new book that penguin random house put out i assume you wrote it maybe you didn't uh, i'm going to read it because i i think it's a really good example of what we're talking about where it doesn't talk about your experience with yourself which would be I'm like it's some sort of inversion of humanity. I, I find it interesting because it doesn't get too caught up with your accomplishments, but it gives a real good flavor of who you are. Joe Salcihai learned from failure, destroying his credit immediately after leaving home. He had to learn about money the hard way and much of it as he was telling other people how to manage their money as a financial advisor. By the way, I do love how they kept advisor with an O and they didn't copy edit it to an E. <laughs> which drives me absolutely bonkers. After 16 years in the industry, he moved to financial media, creating Stacking Benjamins, one of the most listened to podcasts in the personal finance sphere. Kiplinger has called the show the best personal finance podcast in Fast Company, has described it as striking a great balance between fun and functional. Uh, you're like uh, Crocs. Joe lives in Texarkana with his spouse, Cheryl, and Cat Cooper, recording shows in his mom's basement next door. That's a really good about. Did you write it? I did write it. Yeah, yeah I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, though. I mean, it's good. I had somebody uh, I had. And once again, you know, we were talking while we were on the show about about uh, about mentors and coaches. And I had coaches tell me that at some point you, you need to you need to rewrite your bio that quits defending who you are and just kind of says, I'm here. You know, here's, here's, here's who I am. Um, Look, I, I'm so learning some, I'm like, like reading like Zen of the motorcycle, whatever that book is. I feel like <laughs> we're just living it today. For the motorcycle latest. Yes. Pete, by the way, as, as, uh, as I'm sure 
people like Levi hanging out. I feel like he's my brother by another mother. And every time we get together, we have these discussions and I hang up and then I don't talk to Pete for like eight more months. That's totally what's going to happen. But you're coming to Indy uh, to promote your book at some point. When is this? Yes. Yeah. We, we, we hit the road uh, January 5th and um, I will be in Indy. Let me scroll. Let me scroll. Let me scroll. Uh, whatever uh, date you're going to say, I'm going to say I'm unavailable. But go ahead and give yeah, us a date. Of course. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, I can't make it that day. It's as if I'm. It's as if I'm. I'm. I'm inviting you to help me move furniture. You know. Yeah. The, oh, the, I'm sorry. Oh, hold yeah. my drawings. Had a had a thing. Oh, but Pete, I'll have pizza and beer. Yeah. Oh, no yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm not falling for that again, because uh, I fell for that too often when I was younger. All right, where is it? It. Uh, I will be. We'll be in Indy Friday. Uh, Friday the 18th of February. All right. Um, so let's do that. Do you need to do like, uh, let's, we're talking business here. Do you want to do like financial media or like television stuff? That yes, day or not? absolutely. All right. Let's connect. Please. I, I hook you up. Please. That'd be great. Uh, um, all right. Uh, let's do the final segment. So final segment, biggest waste of money of the week. Then I'm going to, Dame sent me his current events for the week. So I'll read those and you can react and be funny, which sh- shouldn't be a problem. Then we will end the show and then we will say goodbye to everyone on the podcast. And then you and I can talk about how well this went after we end the broadcast. Just how brilliant we are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is nine minutes and 40 seconds for those that care, which means me and the person editing the show at the station in three Two, oh, wait, not yet. Oh, I always do that. I wasn't ready. Um, here we go. This is what I want to do here. And I want to go here. And I want to go this week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is every week on the show. The Buam biggest waste of money is how we start the fourth segment. And I've been doing this for well over a decade. Each week, I Peruse the internet for hours trying to find the worst use of your hard-earned dollars every single week. This week, I've chosen the Hypelev Levitating Sneaker Display Stand. Look at Over that. The- I know. It's, it's incredible. Over the last 13-plus years, sneakers have gone from humble foot coverings to pop culture artifacts. Problem is, most of us aren't leaving shoeboxes out in our living room for guests to enjoy. The hype lev allows sneakers to be displayed and enjoyed like the works of art they are. A powerful magnet slides into the shoe against the heel while the C-shaped levitator manipulates magnetic currents to suspend the shoe in midair. And a small air hole causes it to slowly spin. For added drama, white LEDs provide illumination to highlight small details and enable nighttime viewing. Available in black or white, it works with shoes up to size 15 with a weight of up to 2.2 pounds. So, Joe, uh, you can display a single shoe in your living room for your family to enjoy for just $249. I think this is brilliant. I think this would be, do you know the shoe that I'd want to put there? Like the shoe I was wearing when I when I had the slow dance of my life in junior high with my Brit Spaulding. Oh, see, that's a, that's a nice memory. I think of like, if you're going out to clean up after your dog and you step in it and you don't want to get it on the carpet, no. you just levitate it. <laughs> Look at what I did out there. Yeah. We've all wanted levitating shoes, but I think we want to be in the shoes. Yes. Well, I'm thinking when I ran my fastest marathon, I could put that, you know, it's dirty, it's muddy, it's whatever, but you just levitate it. And people are like, why are you levitating that shoe? Oh, it's a great story. I was in Memphis and uh, I ran this marathon that really wasn't that fast, but it was fast for me. You know, as I've told you earlier, uh, maybe between the break, like I've I've transitioned 
into full geezer. Like I'm, I'm cantankerous. I, I don't want shoes to be that important. You know what I mean? Like I'm at a point where like, I don't actually want to be friends with anyone that's like, Hey man, you want to see my shoe? It's in the dining room. I don't want to. I love shoes. I love boots. Like I got a shoe problem. I'm the Melda Marcos of the financial world, but I'm not levitating it. I think they'll see my shoe is far better than smell my shoe. Do you want to smell my shoe, Pete? Yeah. There needs to be a book on the different senses that you can experience with shoes. The key Uh, here though is levitation. It's not see my shoe. It's that I'm levitating my shoe. Like that's quite a flex. Yeah. I can bring this out of the closet, but instead I'm just going to levitate it because that's natural. It's like you go to your friend Gary's house and he's trying to convince you that he's like some low budget David Blaine who likes to play basketball. It's like, you know, Gary, we get it. You spent $249 on a shoe levitator. Joe, here's what's in the sh- the uh, news this week. Sales of the canned cooked meat spam have hit a record high for the seventh year in a row. Despite the pandemic-related challenges, that helped Hormel, the company that makes the iconic brand, deliver record sales of $3.5 billion, wow. almost your net worth. In the three months to the end of October, the firm's boss said it will start work on expanding its range of spam products next year. Hormel shares rose by almost 6% in New York this past week on Thursday alone. Joe, let's just cut to the chase here. Have you tried spam and do you like it? I have never had it. And it's been around. It was even there during my childhood. I've never once had spam. Have you had spam? I have, and it's fine. Like, I, I don't know. Like, people like to make fun of these, like, culture. It's like, oh, uh, what's the name of that? The band everyone makes fun of. Uh, Nickelback. Nickelback. It's like, oh, Nickelback stinks. Uh, do they? I don't know. But Spam's fine. It tastes fine. And Nickelback's perfectly good. Here's your photograph. Uh, they do suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi believes that if she wants to YOLO into AMC or Peloton, that's her right as a citizen in a free market economy at her weekly press conference Wednesday, Joe, you watch that every week, right? Every it's, it's uh, must see TV. They call it. Do you, how can you see by the levitating sneaker on your coffee table? I, I carefully look, well, I, I make sure that my guest has the levitating speaker between, between the TV and them. So I can show them I'm sitting off to the side, like a good host. The House Speaker said she is against any potential bans of congressional members and their spouses holding or trading individual stocks. This year, young traders flocked to social media to share the newest investment hack, copy all of Nancy's moves. Because of the Stock Act, sitting lawmakers and their families can trade individual stocks but have to disclose them within 45 days. Most of the Pelosi's household trades comes from her husband because she became the face of the Follow the House Leader Investing Strategy uh, taking into account her husband's assets. Pelosi is one of the wealthiest members of Congress. We talked about that earlier in the show. Yeah. Uh, I am all for banning individual stock trades or at least putting them in a blind trust. Sure. Uh, at the very least. Absolutely. If your husband's out there trading and talks to you at dinner most nights. Yeah. I would love if my husband actually talked to me at dinner. I'm going to be honest. He just looks right past me. Just, just totally. It's like you're not even there. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen sold his music rights to Sony Music Entertainment for a reported 500 to 600 million dollars. I saw perhaps the this. largest sum ever paid for an individual artist's body of work. Are you a fan of the boss? Uh, kind of. You know what's funny is that I'm a casual fan, like like the music, but 
uh, I got invited to a concert once and went and had a huge new respect for the hardest working band in America. Yeah. Yeah. The E Street Band, they get after it. Uh, I'm not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. I appreciate him. Other artists uh, tend to inspire me a little bit more. That's a diplomatic way of saying I can name one of his songs. <laughs> Born to Run. Yeah, and if Courtney Cox was in the video, I probably know it. I, I don't know. But, you know, I have to I'm 44. So the, the boss is a few years ahead of me in terms of his mass popularity. So I would have had to grab on late. Yeah, see, I'm 53. I was there. Uh, I think I was graduating from high school when Born in the USA came out. Uh, is it bad, bad for me or good for you that we look to be the same age? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good for me. Yeah. Uh, I think yes. Because Pete looks ad ad adorably young, which when people tell me I look adorably young, is they're my BFF. You want to get on my good side? Just tell me how young I look. Speaking of looking young, she may be married to former U.S. President Donald J. Trump, but now you too can stare into the cobalt blue eyes of Melania Trump at the touch of a button with your very own piece of trendy digital art. The former first lady has jumped into the latest internet craze by launching a non-fungible token, an NFT, just in time for Christmas. It puts Melania right in the middle of a fashion frenzy in high-tech art circles, Through criti though critics may regard it as the latest attempt by the Trump family to cash in on political success. She believes that her... Uh, uh, foray into being a public figure allows her to make money on this and she's going to donate some of the proceeds. So Joe, I'll put it to you. How many fungible, non-fungible tokens are you buying for your wife for this holiday season that involve Melania Trump? That is my business and nobody else's, but I, but I will say this. Remember the free Britney campaign? Yeah. If, if, if uh, people have a problem with this, I think we should have a similar free Melania to buy as create as many NFTs as she wants campaign. I think this is important stuff. And if you're spending time on other things, uh, I think you're wasting your time. Uh, so we have to assume there are fungible tokens, right? <laughs> I, I've wondered that same thing. By the way, does sarcasm play on the radio? I don't know if no, anybody can tell no. So I, I just want you to know yes. everyone on the radio has now just quit their job to, to issue <laughs> NFTs Sorry. because of your free Britney reference that got lost. I often, often wonder crackle. if Joe's obscurity uh, just does not play. But, but, but yeah, fungible. Uh, don't go with a fungible token. Because, you know, you sink right into those ones. The non-fungible ones are the ones you want. When I walk into, when I walk into Walmart and I'm looking for tokens, send me to the non-fungible section. The fungible will get you. It's like the, what are those non-parallel, parallel, like the little, the little, uh, like, look like glitter. You put them on, on candy. You know what I'm talking about? They're called like yes. non-parallels or parallels. Yes. And they're parallel. Anyway. Why do, why do, when I think about non-fungible or when I think about fungible, I think about poking the state puff marshmallow man. Like he's fungible. God, isn't that, isn't delicious. that what fungible means? Joe, thank you so much for being on the show this week as guest co-host as Damien has a week off. We wish you best of luck with your brand new book that I want everyone to purchase, Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management, available December 20th, wherever books are sold. Sending everyone else good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. Happy holidays. So I'm going to get canceled for not saying Merry Christmas. Joe, this was fun. You want to say anything to the audience here? <laughs> Which... I mean, you, 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 if you said Merry Christmas, you get canceled for saying happy holidays 
or not for, not say, for not saying happy holidays. You know what I mean? Well, again, yeah. I'm on my, my show is primarily on like, uh, yes. Oh, conservative I yeah. radio. Gotcha. So if I say happy holidays, then I am getting canceled. Yes. What's interesting is we are, uh, you know, part of cumulus Westwood one's, uh, podcast build out and, um, we're not on the radio, but it's interesting to look at the names, that uh, John Wardock leading the charge in personal finance that he's bringing on versus because the radio, you know, Westwood one has been known for two things. Uh, one is sports, which is yeah. how I grew up with sports in Westwood one and conservative talk radio. But then you look at the personal finance section and I feel like we're getting to, you know, you said this earlier. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the few moderates left in America. <laughs> we're, we're a diet. You can't be moderate, man. You got to have an opinion and it's got to be on the sides. We can't work, work together. But, but, um, but so as a moderate, I feel like John Wardock, the head of that is kind of trying to ba- balance the scale a little bit. Yeah. It's, I, we got a, a podcast review or something once on iTunes and it said, I'm sick of this centrist BS. And I'm like, I'm like, what am I supposed to, a centrist is not upset by that. <laughs> like a centrist I is like, Thank I know. You. Uh, I had somebody tell us recently on Twitter. I, um, uh, I used to listen all the time and on one episode, I smelled a hint of woke and, and I'm a diehard capitalist. Oh. And so I won't listen anymore. So you smelled it one time. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, two days earlier, we had a, you can go look at, we had a one-star review that turns out that I apparently uh, do not get angry about a major religious group and I should. Oh, and there is a sponsor of our show that is a member of a major religious group. And the fact that I let them exist without speaking against them is is apparently a big problem to this person and i thought that if you're i don't know and this is cynicism and i'll apologize guys maybe i shouldn't even be saying this but 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 but, but, but if your day boils down to getting angry at your finance podcast because one of their sponsors is a member of a religious group that we've all heard of and and that's your go-to anger button yeah <laughs> You, you, you need something new. I mean, well, Joe, I don't want to speak for the rest of the country, but in the words of Greta Thunberg, how dare you? <laughs> right. How right. dare you? Right. I yeah. can't say it now, but I will tell you who it is and you'll be even more incredulous. You'd be like, really? Really? Okay. Yeah. I look, I, uh, the weird thing is, and I want to, I want to uh, maybe put uh, the Chris is company. here. Yeah. Chris, Chris is a a, a, a friend hanging out with us too. Awesome. Chris is cheating on me. No, hey, look, we have a lot of crossover audit. People love the, the balding middle-aged men. Like I was talking men. about this with Cheryl recently. There's a guy that you need to know, and okay. I actually told him that he needs to know you as well. Do you know b- b- because you've done stand-up? Sure. Do you know Paul Ollinger? No. So Paul Ollinger looks like us. He's a member oh, of the club. Man. Yeah. And uh he's a funny comedian. Uh, who talks about money. He's got a, he's got a, a show called crazy money, wow. uh, which is um, he goes into some pretty deep topics, but he's a funny guy. One of my favorite pieces of stand up that he's done is, you know, you know, you know, what's a great thing to do Pete when you pay your bills on time, answer the phone. <laughs> like it's wonderful. 
Even for people who hate talking on the phone, the fact that it's not someone guilting you into the decisions you've made in the past, it's good. Right. Uh, Joe, before you go, what's the best page of your new book? Oh, the best page. Holy cow. Um, you know, I like the jokes in the book. I, uh, I, I know you're asking for a two word answer, but I'm just going to set this up a little bit. I, uh, we were, we were nomads and I, at the time, uh, and that's a whole nother story, but I was wrote a lot of this in Vermont in Stowe, Vermont, and we were in this condo and I would go out in, in the afternoon and evening for a couple hours to write 2000 words. And I'd sit with a microbrew because there's lots of great microbrews there. And I was generally into my second beer and Cheryl can hear me laughing my head off as I'm writing some of the jokes in this book. And when we came up with your, when we came up with Emily and I, your, your, your growing budget and you yeah, with that title. And, you know, my voice cracked because I'm creating my first budget and uh, mom says, well, that's okay. It happens to everybody. It's just your growing budget and you. And I that just, is funny. it's just, I don't know where that came from. And, and, you know, when you write, there's just this stuff that comes yeah. that is just out there. There's another joke that actually our editor wanted to take out. Emily and I got to uh, fight for it, man. Well, our editor was a ninja and we both agreed that if Nina says it needs to go, it will go. But we gave ourselves one. And the one joke that I really liked in the book that uh, that Nina wanted to take out was I'm I'm talking about the fact that you probably can't take it with you. I've never been in the afterlife. I've never been to heaven, but I have been to Vermont. And those people tell me it's the same thing. <laughs> so. And I still think that's funny as that hell. That's funny. Because not only do I like Vermont, you talk to people from Vermont, it's like you're talking to a CrossFitter, right? Yeah. They, they, they stop people they don't know at the moment. Can you tell I do CrossFit? Oh, I love CrossFit. CrossFit's fantastic. I'm Vermont. from Vermont. Yes, I live in Vermont. But anyway, so Nina wanted to take that out. I'm like, nope, that that one still, I've read that joke 50 times telling you it. Well, 50,000 people will appreciate that. All the people who probably live in Vermont. Joe, thanks for being on the show this week. Thanks a um, ton, Pete. You no, know, my pleasure. If you are in the Indianapolis area and you're listening to this podcast and or live stream, please uh, come see Joe February 18th, Friday, February 18th. I tried to remember that date. It could be wrong. That could not even be uh, a date that exists. <laughs> I hit the road February or uh, January 5th, though, in Dallas, Texas. We'll be in Dallas on the 5th, Austin on the 6th, Houston on the 7th, and then we head to the West Coast. But if you want to see the whole thing, the whole schedule, and come hang out with other financial people, stackybenjamins.com slash stacked has the whole tour. But the best stop is right here with this guy. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all of you and happy holidays. Uh, so as we, I always end the show with a phrase from your favorite rapper, E40. Yes. Do you know Earl? I mean, you have, are you, I do you, not. Okay. You, sh you probably shouldn't. Um, so this is how we end the show, Joe. Uh, you stick around though, because you and I got to talk shop. Uh, hey, everybody. Stay getting money.